another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at investinghope.com, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found. You can find this show. Today we have a lot to talk about. Took off last week, Memorial Day, so Memorial Day weekend, just uh, took some some time off, went camping with the family, so didn't do a show this week, though. Man, oh man, there's always something to talk about, and, and as we do every uh, time I get a chance, we're going to talk about life, we're going to talk about the abortion issue, we're going to talk about uh, identity, uh, and, and I'm going to be talking about that more and more and more because we are seeing in our culture the erasing of identity. And, and now, now some would argue, well, we're not erasing identity. We're just broadening it. We're opening it up. No, we're erasing identity. We, we are erasing women. We are erasing men. Uh, we, are, we are moving in a direction um, that, that is not sustainable, that is not healthy for a culture. Uh, but it is a direction that a lot to get us away from, to get us away from biblical worldview and biblical values. And so I'm going to start with a piece over at Live Action uh, and, and this is why it's important to know what is happening in society, what is happening in culture, what is happening in the school system. And, and this is what it says. Pro-abortion educational groups are pushing for teachers to advocate for abortion in their classrooms, and some schools are getting on board. An eye-opening article in a recent issue of the education magazine Rethinking Schools claimed that educators have a duty to teach children about the alleged benefits of abortion in response to the fall of Roe v. Wade. Now, I want to just stop there for a second. We went from the 90s where, hey, we just want abortion safe, legal, and rare. We, we heard from politicians, we heard from culture, we heard from everyone. No one wants an abortion. No one wants to use it as birth control. It, is just, it just needs to be safe, legal, and rare. Uh, we're, we're not going to push it. It's not an agenda. It just needs to be there just in case. We've, we've even seen this lately with, with folks testifying in front of uh, state legislators and testifying in front of Congress saying, look, we need to be able to, to provide life-saving care if a woman is, uh, you know, could, could die if, if there's a problem with the pregnancy. And, and they say it as if the bulk of abortions happen in those instances, which we know is not true and they know is not true. But, but they use that because they know that if we push and say, well, if you don't have access to abortion, then you may die. Then if they say that, the, the populace will, will get uh, concerned and then they'll be able to get their agenda put through. And, and, and I say all that to say now these groups are saying educators have a duty to teach children about the alleged benefits of abortion. So Roe fell in June of last year. And now they're saying because of that, we need to teach young children high schoolers, middle schoolers, that abortion has benefits. And you need to be able to get an abortion. The same folks that are saying this are also saying that, that children should be able to identify as whatever they want to identify with, that, that children should be able to get on puberty blockers, that, that if a family doesn't use the proper pronouns, those children should be taken from the home. If a family doesn't agree that that child needs an abortion, that child should be taken from the home. You see, you see the direction they're going here. As reported by National Review, the magazine stated the Supreme Court's ruling to overturn Roe in the Dobbs v. Jackson 
decision calls for a, quote, all-hands-on-deck response to ensure abortion for those who want and need it. It continued that the most critical role, the most critical role for a teacher is to combat the silent shame and misinformation around abortion. Did you? Did you catch that? Now, if somebody asked you, what is the most critical role for a teacher? Wouldn't, wouldn't that role be, to, I don't know, if you're a science teacher, to teach science? If you're a math teacher, your, your most critical role is to teach math. If you're an elementary school teacher, the, the most critical role is to prepare your student for the next grade. No, th- this, these folks would argue the most critical role for a teacher is to push the abortion agenda. Teachers should, said the magazine, discuss abortion as a right, highlight positive abortion stories, and share literature surrounding sex, sexual violence, pregnancy, forced pregnancy, sterilization, abortion, and miscarriage. The magazine's editors write, if we are to fight the criminalization of abortion, we also must fight its stigmatization. And that means teaching about it. Isn't that what you want when you send your your third grader off to school in August? Don't you want somebody teaching them about abortion? When you send your sophomore off to high school, don't you want that math teacher to, to teach them about abortion? Is, is that really what we want? I mean, I, I would ask that question to Christians, non-Christians, Republicans, Democrats, independents. Who is saying, I can't wait for my child to, to get in their algebra class so that that algebra teacher will teach them more about abortion? Who, who is saying that? But yet this group, that's what they want. They add, abortion is often framed too narrowly, legalistically, a right, a law, or medically, a procedure. Instead, we should heed the feminists who understand abortion to be part of a larger movement for reproductive justice. In addition, the advocacy arm of the National Education Association protested the overturning of Roe v. Wade, claiming that the right to autonomy is not only special to us, but to our students' futures. So you can't graduate, you can't achieve success if you don't have access to abortion. That is what they are saying. Here's the thing. The National Education Association, maybe, I don't know, maybe they should focus on education, math, English, science, and not politicizing everything and not pushing an agenda that that says abortion is the golden calf and is an idol because that's what it is to these folks. As reported by National Review, that change has already begun. In California, legislators introduced a bill package on reproductive justice and abortion rights. One of the bills will require school districts to participate in the California Healthy Kids Survey, which gives legislators information to ensure they update the sex ed they give children. It includes a module on sexual and reproductive health care. Assemblywoman Buffy Wick said uh, the bill will update existing said requirements in the state to ensure that middle and high school children receive guidance on birth control and abortions. This year I'm doing, the, the Wick says, a bill to ensure that our young people have not just education around reproductive care, but they know how to access such care. My bill expands our sexual or reproductive education requirements to ensure our young people have knowledge and know where to and how to receive abortion care along with contraception care and all the other care that our young people deserve to know about. But how much do people really know about what abortion does to a human being? Under the bill, teachers would be required to give students as young as 12 
information about obtaining abortions during different stages of pregnancy. Teachers would also ensure students receive a physical or digital resource detailing the local resources for abortion, and teachers would have to keep a positive attitude as well. But it's difficult to truly understand what abortion does and remain positive about it. In Wisconsin, a school district is planning to implement a new curriculum which includes teaching 8th grade students that abortion is a normal response to a pregnancy. The curriculum includes a Planned Parenthood-backed video titled, So You Think You're Pregnant, which promotes abortion. Think about that, folks. Now, if I go out and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go teach abstinence, and we're going to do that in a biblical worldview, and we're going to evangelize every student in the school. What would you hear? You would hear folks say, separation of church and state. This isn't a theocracy. You can't do that. You know, I heard the other day, every government is a theocracy. The question is, what's the theo? Because there's a, there's a religion being pushed here. There's discipleship happening here. There's evangelism happening here. Now, it's not pushing the gospel. It's not, it's not pushing a, a truth that says that, a, that God came to earth in the form of Jesus and then died on a cross and rose three days later to, to, to save you from uh, yourself. No, it's not, it's not pushing that. What it's pushing is you are the God. You are the answer. You matter more than your offspring. You matter more than your neighbor. It's a religion, folks. Look around you. It is a religion. There's conviction here. Why do you think they're doing that? Because they're, they're moved by conviction. And, and frankly, this is going to be hard for some of us to hear, but the reality is many of us aren't moved by conviction. We want to be left alone. I want to live my life. But you see, that the folks pushing this agenda... They're moved by conviction. They are so moved that they are passing legislation where they can teach eighth graders that abortion is a normal and necessary response to a pregnancy. They're doing nothing to prevent the pregnancy. Nothing. They're encouraging and teaching these folks how to have different types of sex. Why are they doing that? Because you always have abortion in your back pocket. So it doesn't matter. Go live recklessly. It doesn't matter. And so, so I get upset when I hear folks say, well, so you don't want me out there even making disciples for the Lord Jesus, but, but you're out there evangelizing and making disciples for the abortion industry. I mean, it's clear as day. These folks just said the most critical role for an educator, the most critical role for a teacher in our public school system, these folks say, is to tell their students about abortion. What? The most critical role for an educator is to promote abortion? 
They're, they're telling the lie to our young people. They're telling the lie to our culture that, that you can't find success unless you have access to abortion. And so what they're telling young boys is go and, and do whatever you want to do because abortion is in your back pocket. They're telling young girls, go and do whatever you want to do. Lay down with whoever you want to lay down with because you have abortion in your back pocket. Is that the answer? Is that the, the direction we want to go as a society and as a culture? And, and outside of my belief on this and outside of my biblical worldview, even for a society to sustain itself, this is not the answer. I was just reading an article where our uh, fertility rate is going down. It is not at levels where we are replacing, meaning we're sustaining ourselves or even growing in a society. No, we are moving in the wrong direction. And so these are, these are conversations that matter and should concern us when we, when we think about what agenda is being pushed. And so oftentimes people will say, why do you politicize everything? Why do you got to involve politics and everything? Look, I'm not the one doing it. I'm not the one doing it. Our education system's doing it. Lobbyist groups are doing it. Companies are doing it. Sports are doing it. And, and so as we think through this and think about the direction we need to go, these are the things that we need to be concerned about. If you're a teacher listening to this, do you believe your most critical role is to prop up and evangelize for the abortion industry? Is that your most critical role? I would argue I've never met a teacher ever that would say that's their most critical role. I don't care how they vote. I don't care where they stand on the issue. The vast majority of teachers would say, well, no, my most critical role is to take care of my students and to educate them on what I have been trained to educate them on. Not to prop up and evangelize for the abortion industry. And so as we think about this, when we come back, I want to show you, when I talk about the erasing of identity, I want to show you that in real time. What is happening? Even in the abortion industry, they are erasing identity. We'll be back. As we continue the conversation today, I've been saying this for months, that we... We are living in a moment in a time where identity is being erased. Now, culture would say we're not erasing identity. We're broadening it. We're not erasing gender. We're broadening it. We're not, we're not erasing women's sports. We're broadening it to just include men. We're, we're not erasing these things. We are just broadening our horizons. And, and that is, uh, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Now, we are, we are actually erasing identity. The feminist argument used to be, I am woman, hear me roar. It is now, I, I roar anyway. We're living in, a, in an interesting time where, where we have folks that have for decades, for decades, fought for the right to abortion because it was a woman's right. When I got into pregnancy center work eight years ago, many, 
would say to me, you're, you're not a woman, you have no say in the matter. The abortion issue is a woman's issue. That is what, what I was told. That's what we've been told by politicians. That's what we were told by Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. That's what we've been told by NARAL. That's what we've been told by Planned Parenthood. That's what we've been told by all these organizations, by all these political leaders, that this is a woman's rights issue. What's interesting, because those days are gone. Well, how do I know that? Planned Parenthood tweeted just the other day, it's not just about abortion. Advocating for abortion goes hand in hand with advocating for gender-affirming care and birth control. Access to health care is a right, no matter what. They say all the same fight. They also did this. They put out an ad. They released an ad with a biological woman who received an abortion and gender-affirming care from Planned Parenthood. And you know what this person does? They call abortion a people's rights issue. It's not a woman's right. It's a people's right. Now, now in saying that, do they say that I now have a right to, to argue against abortion? Of course not, because I'm, a, I'm what they would call a cis white man, and I have no say on anything. But I need you to pay attention to how language changes. We've done this as, as I take you through articles, and, and we went from it's a heartbeat to it's electrical pulses to it's cardiac activity, and, and they just do this quietly. And, and part of my role in this show is to point those things out to you so that it, ain't, it, it isn't done in the secret, so that we can see firsthand right in front of our eyes, oh, they're changing the language. They're changing the language. Now, why does that matter? It matters because if you're not paying attention, they'll change this language. They'll change this language and it'll just kind of become the norm. And then we'll, we'll look up and go, hold on, when did that happen? When did we stop calling a heartbeat a heartbeat? When, when did we start, start calling it cardiac activity? When did we start calling it electrical pulses? And they'll just change it and move on. And the same thing's happening here. For, for 50 years or, or longer, abortion was a woman's right. It was about women's freedom, women's empowerment. And now, it's a people's right. Now, they would argue a man can get an abortion. You see, and they'll just change the language. I've, I've been telling you this, that these organizations, these, these abortion industries, the, the abortion industry was going to pivot. I've been saying this. I've been letting you know they are going to pivot. Abortion is no longer going to be the, the main thing. It's going to be part of the main thing. But the pivot is going to come, and it's no longer going to be just a woman's issue. It's now a people's issue that they'll use even the fact that they, they use gender-affirming care. You see, now that's become part of our vernacular. It's now in our vocabulary. It's, it's how we write. It's what we talk about. But it's not affirming, and it's certainly not care what they're doing. 
That, that's not the, but, but see, they paint it this way. It's the same thing where they say abortion just allows for a woman to be successful. But they don't tell you what an abortion is. They don't tell you how the process is played out. Why? Because they think that is, that we can't handle that. So we're just going to change language. We're not going to say that we're extinguishing a heartbeat. We're going to say there's no longer any cardiac activity. There's no longer any electrical pulses. We're, we're not going to walk you through what a, uh, a surgical abortion is because you're not ready to hear that. Now, now you're, you're ready to, per, to, to receive that, but you're not ready to hear what it actually does. And, and if you bring it up, you're called callous, and, and you're an awful person if you dare say how the process is done. The same thing with what they would call gender-affirming care. If you actually say out loud what that is, that body parts are being taken off, that people are being mutilated. If you actually say those things, well, you're a terrible, callous person, although you're just saying what the process is. If you were to dare share a video of that happening, you would be a terrible, callous person. Now, if I stand up and say that, that my pro-lifeness matters, and I'm a man, and I believe that abortion is wrong, well, I have no say in the matter. You see what I'm saying? They, they would say, I have no say in the issue because I'm a, I'm a man. But if, if I were on their team, or if I was a biological female that identified as a man and wanted an abortion, then, then it's a man's right. I've even seen articles since June 24th in the overturning of Roe where it was saying this abortion is even needed for men, that it's a positive thing for men so that they can continue to climb the career ladder. I heard something over the weekend. It said, if you find yourself in the rat race, ultimately you'll start acting like a rat. You see, in our culture, it's saying we need abortion so we can climb that career ladder. We need abortion so that we can complete our degrees. We need, an, we need abortion so that we can fulfill whatever it is we want to do. And now they're saying it's no longer a women's right issue. You see, this is the interesting thing about feminism. I wish, like everything, we could, we could hear from. Look, I disagree with everything Margaret Sanger stood for. But I would love to get her opinion right now on what we have seen. I would love to get her opinion about the organization she created that now says it's a people's right to abortion and not a women's right. You see, we're erasing identity. We're erasing it by, by telling folks they can affirm and, and be whoever they want to be. We're erasing it by actually aborting little boys and little girls. You see, culture wants us as a neutral palette where men can be women and women can be men and you just be you and live in your utopia, and be whatever it is you want to be. How's that working for you? How's it working? Culture is leading the way in this. I mean, every, every data point we look at, less and less people are in church, less and less people uh, acknowledge a faith. So that means that culture is in the driver's seat, and the culture is in the driver's seat, and we're saying we're living our best life now. Culture is in the driving seat and, and saying that, that men can be women and women can be men and everybody needs abortions. How's it working out in real time? 
Well, the data point is clear. We have more people depressed now than ever before. We have more people saying they're lonely now than ever before. We're having less babies, less marriage. Suicide rates are up, drug addiction's up, alcoholism is up. How's it working for you? How is the culture's answer working? I would argue it may be working exactly like they want it to. We'll be back. So as we continue today, look, you know, every every week we talk about some heavy topics, and, and we do that on purpose. We do that with intentionality uh, because I, I think these things are important. And so as we look around our culture and we see what's happening, and we see what's happening in society, I ended the last segment saying, how's it working out for us? And, and what I mean by that is the, the anti-biblical worldview being played out in front of us. Culture now seems to be in the driver's seat. As I mentioned earlier, there's, there's studies that show less and less people are religious, less and less people are going to church, less and less people are saying they have a faith background or even a faith system of any kind. Less and less people are getting married, less and less people are having children. And so as we see these things play out in front of us, and we see that our young people are telling us we're, we're more depressed than we've ever been, we see drug addiction way up. We see suicide up. We see drug cause deaths way up. We see loneliness up. Anxiety, uh, people are riddled with anxiety and worry. Our mental health is, is just falling out of the bottom. Not in a good place. So, so if the culture is in the driver's seat saying the answer is go be and do whatever it is you want to be and do, and then, and then our culture responds, and our response is, we're more depressed than we've ever been. We're not getting married. We're lonely. We're addicted to drugs. We're addicted, addicted to alcohol. We're addicted to social media. We're addicted to our phones. So if that is the response from the culture, then, then a rational person would say, look, something's got to change. This isn't working. It's interesting when I see these data, this data and these studies and, and the, the, the folks putting it together saying, we're, you know, we have a depression epidemic. We, we are in a mess. We have a drug epidemic. We're in a mess. Yet, they don't change the response. They don't change the answer. Instead of saying, we need to, we need to get people real help. We need to give people real hope. They're saying, keep doing what you're doing. We're going to affirm you in, in that. Keep doing what you're doing. So what I would argue is there's a, there's a spiritual aspect of this from a biblical worldview, and the spiritual aspect is we're getting the response that the enemy wants. You see, just as language changes, and I'm going to, take, I'm going to uh, discuss that here in just a little bit of, of how it actually literally is changing, the AP style guide, they're actually changing it in front of our eyes. But just as that changes kind of underhandedly and, and not way out in the open, they're not doing you know, news stories on it on the mainstream or, or cable or anything like that. It just kind of happens. And then we start reading the paper and the articles and all of a sudden language just changes and we just go along with it because we're not going to really dive deep into what language they're using. 
and what word they're using for this or that. In the same way, I think the enemy comes into the culture. What, what does the enemy do? And we talked about it before. Steal, kill, and destroy. So how do we do that? Not, not all in one day. The enemy doesn't do that all in one day. It's a, it's a long game. So, so what we have is we have, look, we, we just want abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. We just want women to have the ability to, to do this or that. We, we aren't looking for anything else. Look, we just want marriage to be broadened just a little bit. We're not looking to take us down a slippery slope. We just, can you really define marriage between one man and one woman? Can you really hold women back and not let them have the career opportunities like everyone else? And, and don't they need abortion? You see, and, and, and those, those ideas start getting implanted into our society and into our culture. And then politicians push it. And then you hear political leaders say, look, it just needs to be safe, legal, rare. No one wants an abortion. We start using language like this. No one wants that. And they even say it in that tone. Look, no, you've got to think about the folks that are dealing with this. What about their best interests? You see, and then we start this small shift. And that shift happened decades ago. And just a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit more here, a little bit more there. And then you look to where we are now and, and we're, then you, you implement smartphones and you implement social media and you implement all these things. And then in the middle of it, you have a pandemic where we close off everything and, and you just see it explode. And then you're like, well, hold on. Is this really the, what we want? Do we really want to erase gender? Do we really want to erase women's rights? Do we really want to erase how we define a woman? Is, is that the ultimate goal? And, and again, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so the, the enemy is saying, yeah, this is exactly what I wanted. This is exactly how I knew it would play out. That's why conviction matters. Because I'm telling you folks, there, there are people out there that are convicted when it comes to abortion. And they're right. They are discipling. They are evangelizing. If you don't believe me, just do a quick Google search and you'll find it. Videos everywhere of, of actual people out there that, that believe as an educator their most critical role is to push the abortion agenda. And they will move the mountains to do it. And then argue. When, when I say I should be able to go and, and evangelize from a biblical worldview, well, well, oh, separation of church and state. Remember what I said earlier. Every government is a theocracy. It just depends on what that theo is. There's a religion out there being pushed right now. It has nothing to do with God. But it's led by conviction. And so just to prove that I'm not, a, I'm not making all this stuff up, on June 3rd, this was released. The Associated Press Style Guide, which sets the agenda for how most major media uses its words and phrases in reporting, thus shaping society views, has come out with new guidelines on gender. The AP now instructs journalists 
to respect LGBTQ subjects' preferred pronouns and to avoid terms like, quote, biological sex. The new guide also suggested avoiding phrases like both sexes, indicating there are more than two that people use. Journalists should also avoid referring to trans person as being born a boy or girl with, quote, sex assigned at birth, the new preferred usage. The guide began with some general advice stating gender terminology is vast and constantly evolving. A style guide can't cover everything. Let your sources guide you on how they want to be identified and then use your judgment to be both sensitive and accurate. The AP advice included a glossary including gender identity, gender queer, intersex, and non-binary. You see, folks? You see what I mean? I'm not making it up. When I say they are just quietly changing language, that is what they're doing. And I'm doing everything I can to make sure it's not done in the quiet, that it's not done in the secret, that, that folks will know about this. Again, just like they changed, we, we would, almost overnight, if you're reading the papers, if you're reading articles online, when they would talk about heartbeat bills around the country, the, the authors of those articles would say, this bill prevents abortions after a heartbeat is detected. That is what they said. That is what everyone said. And then it was almost like overnight they went, hold on, heartbeat, I see, heartbeat humanizes the fetus. And the last thing we want to do is humanize what is happening. So what we need to do is come up with another phrase, another term that, doesn't, that, that means the same thing, but that doesn't humanize the, the fetus. And so what we're going to do, instead of using heartbeat, we're going to say electrical pulses. We may even say cardiac activity, but we're going to be careful with that because even cardiac activity sounds too much like a heart. So, so how do we change the language? And when they change the language in the way they write, we change the language in the way we speak. And, and we start using and taking their cues and we start saying things like, well, it's, it's not a heartbeat, it's electrical pulses. It's cardiac activity. It, it's not mutilation, it's not bottom. Because they know if they can win the language, if they can win you over with language and get you to start using their language, that changes everything. That's why when you, when you see somebody like Ron DeSantis or, or others, when they're asked about these things and when, when reporters try to use that language, he and others correct them and say, no, it, we're not going to call it gender-affirming care. We're not going to call it electrical pulses. We're going to call it what it is. It's a heartbeat. You see what I'm saying here? That's why these things matter. So, so as you're reading the articles, as you're you know, looking through the news of the day and you come across some of these languages, some of these phrases, you're like, I, I feel like that's not what we used to call it. Even the largest abortion provider in the country Planned Parenthood putting out a video and saying that it's not a woman's right to an abortion, it's a people's right to abortion. It's an interesting thing that we have here because we are erasing women. We're erasing them from sports. We're erasing them from society. We're we're trying to erase motherhood. We, we don't want to celebrate that. That's the interesting thing about the culture. The culture is like, celebrate moms on Mother's Day. And then the next day they're saying, yeah, you know, 
A dad can be a mom, a mom can be a mom, a, you know, it doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't work that way. And so we have to be clear where we stand. We also have to understand, we may look around and go, there's no way this is the, the result they were looking for. Well, it is the result the enemy's looking for, I can assure you. We'll be back. So as we finish up today, I think it's important that, we, that we're able to analyze the culture. It's important that we look around us and see what's going on. It's important that we understand the phrases and language and words that folks are using. But again, all that is important. But, but outside of a biblical worldview, it doesn't matter. Because outside of the biblical worldview, we have no answer to, to the culture's desire to erase identity. Outside of a biblical worldview, we have no answer to the culture's desire to prop up and promote abortion. Outside of a biblical worldview, we have no answer to, to what we're seeing across the board when it comes to gender mutilation, body mutilation in the name of gender-affirming care. Outside of a biblical worldview, none of these things are going to be remedied because what, where's the answer? Outside of a biblical worldview, what's the answer for suicide rates going up? Outside of a biblical worldview, what's the answer for the mental health decline that we're seeing across the board, the loneliness, the depression that our young people are facing, drug addiction? Where is the answer and hope outside of a biblical worldview, outside of the hope in Jesus Christ? Where is the answer? You see, that's what culture is dealing with. They have no answer. They show us time and time again there is no answer. Now, they can do studies, and they can provide great data points to say, hey, we have a fatherlessness issue. We have a drug issue. We have an alcoholism issue. We have a loneliness issue. We have a suicide issue. But, but how do you remedy that if you're not looking for a Savior outside of yourself? The answer isn't seven to a hundred gender distinctions on an intake form when you go to the doctor's office. That's not the answer. But we're seeing that. And you're like, well, we're probably seeing that in San Francisco. You would never see that in Knoxville or, or in my local community. No, no, go look. It's there. It's there. Why? Because we're taking the cues from the culture. We're just quietly saying, well, what's it hurt? What's it hurt to add more designations? What's it hurt? I don't know. Look around. Look around. I mean, our young people are telling us they're hurting, so clearly our remedy is not working. Clearly having all those designations is not working. How do I know that? Because every day they add another. So clearly it's not working, but sure, keep going down that path. And so if you are sitting and listening to this and it's doing what it does to me and my blood pressure rises and I get, 
you know, frustrated and angry and uptight. There, there's a tendency to say, you know what the answer is? The answer. The answer is Donald Trump winning the election. The answer is Ron DeSantis winning the election. The answer is fill in the blank winning the election. Folks, if that is your response, and if you believe the hope and the answer is found there, I, I'm just going to tell you, you are terribly mistaken. Now, don't hear me to say don't get involved, don't vote. I'm not saying that. Believe me. I vote. I engage in the process to talk to politicians often. I encourage and, and try to influence legislation and policy. I, I, look, I, I do that personally. But the last thing I'm going to do is act as if the answer is going to be found in that person. Because it's not. The answer is not found in me. The answer is not found in you. And society is wrestling with that right now as we say, what, how do we fix this? How do we correct course? Our young people are crying out for help, and, and how do we help them? You point them to truth. You show them grace. You say the answer is outside of yourself. The answer is outside of your gender. The answer is outside of all of that. The answer certainly isn't abortion. You see, we have to have these conversations. And, and the only answer and the only hope is a biblical worldview. The only answer and the only hope is the gospel of Jesus. The only answer and the only hope is a mediator that was sent on our behalf, and that is in Jesus. That is the answer. If the enemy, and I've said this Often, and I'm going to continue to say it until I can't say it anymore. If the enemy is being intentional in killing, stealing, and destroying, then we better be intentional in sharing the truth of the gospel and living for God. Let's get after it, folks. We'll talk to you next week.